what does a follower of Jesus Christ look like? And do you look like one? I'm Pastor Steve Hogg at First Baptist Church, Rock Hill. Today, we're going to talk about that. So pay attention. God has a word for you. What does a, a mature follower of Jesus Christ, a growing mature follower of Jesus, what does he look like? What does she look like? And do you look like one of them? Does your life today look the way Jesus Christ wants your life to look? And here's a follow-up question. How well do you understand what our life is supposed to look like, my life, your life is supposed to look like if we're growing in Christ, if we're maturing in Christ? How well do we really understand what it's supposed to look like? When I was a kid, I would sometimes go with my dad to uh, shooting matches out in the country. And it was just guys who liked to, you know, shoot 12-gauge, 16-gauge shotguns. They'd, uh, they'd make a target. It was simple. It's a piece of paper with a little circle on it, usually a little bit smaller than this. And they'd tack it to a tree out there in the distance or maybe to, you know, a, a piece of wood of some kind that was nailed to a tree usually. And... Uh, Guys would pay so much for a shot. You get one shot, your own target, and uh, you take your shot, and then they they go retrieve it. And whoever had the most pellets in the circle won. Now there were several rounds, and you paid for each round and different prizes. And if it was near Thanksgiving, you might win a turkey, you might win a box of groceries, or hey, if you if it was a big big uh, big ticket you might win an even nicer prize. And I can remember going to a lot of those, uh, a lot of those shooting matches with Dad, and, and I learned that the person who, who could aim the best <laughs> won a lot. And, uh, you know, you have to know what you're shooting at. You have to have a target in mind. And the same thing is true in your Christian life. What, what are you aiming, aiming for? What, what are you directing your life Toward? What, what, what are you seeking to become? And as, as a follower of Christ, well, what have you come to understand from Scripture that a follower of Christ looks like this, is like this, thinks like this, acts like this? You, ha, have you drawn the circle? Ha, have you put the target out there? And are you aiming your life as a Christian at that target? Or are you just getting up every day and living? Are you just getting up every day and going through whatever you go through? Or are you aiming at something? Well, for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about uh, this topic. So I invite you to take your Bible and open it with me, please, to the New Testament book of Ephesians, chapter 4. Ephesians, chapter 4. This is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to believers to a church in the city of Ephesus, which is in modern Turkey. And so in chapter 4, verse 1, very quickly, he begins by, by telling us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which we have been called. He says, as a follower of Christ, we need to look like it, live like it. We need to live in such a way that, that's worthy, worthy of the calling, the calling to follow Christ. Jesus saw Peter and others and said, come, follow me. The Holy Spirit touched your heart some, some time ago. Or if he hasn't in the past, he's going to today. And, and he's saying, come follow Jesus. You've been called into a relationship with Christ. 
And the Bible says as followers of Christ, we're to aim our life in a manner that's worthy of that calling. To live in such a way that we look like a Christian. Now in chapter 4 of Ephesians, the Bible gives us a, a pretty good understanding of what that looks like. It also talks about the role of the church and the pastor in helping you hit that target. But it also challenges each and every one of us individually as followers of Christ to accept our responsibility for aiming at the target and hitting the target of being a Christ-like follower. So as we get started, here's, here's my question. Are you open to, are you ready to understand what Scripture says in this passage about being a follower of Christ, about what you and I are supposed to look like, resemble as followers. Are you, are you, I just want to ask before I ever you know, get into this, are you ready for that? Are, are you open to learning? Are you willing for God to show you some stuff today? Are, are you ready? Are you willing? Are, are you? Because if you're not, let's just close the door and go home. Are you, are you wanting to hear from God today? And that's a question you've got to answer in your heart. And in your mind, if today is going to have benefit in your life the way God wants it to, to happen. So, with that in mind, let's drop down in chapter 4 at verse 11. And he explains the role of the church in helping you get there. The Bible says that he, God, gave some. Now, these are gifts from God. These are not spiritual gifts, you know, the gift of whatever that individual Christians have. These are God's gifts to the local church, to the body. And so he's given some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. Some of the, the people, the offices that he raises up as a gift to his church. And he says the purpose of those gifts is found in verse 12. For, this is the reason you have a preacher. This is the reason these gifts are given from God to the church. For the what? For the what? The equipping of the saints. These gifts, these offices, my role is not to do the work of the church. My role is to equip you to do the work of the church. To equip you so that you can hit that target in your life. For the equipping of the saints. For the work of service, the work of ministry. Equip you so you can serve, you can grow, you can live, you can do what God calls you to do. And when that happens, it builds up the body of Christ. So that's the role of the church. Now... He shifts and starts talking about what that outcome looks like. When you aim your life at that target, you become a mature Christian. What does that look like? Verse 13 and following. He says, until we keep doing this, we stay after it, we don't, we don't ever give up, until we all, by the way, what, what does all mean? Each and every one of us. It means me, it means you, it means the person sitting beside you, in front of you, behind you. It means each and every person in this room, each and every person watching on television. Until all of us, each and every one, not just us as a collection, as a church, collectively, but individually. Each and every one of us attain to the unity of the faith, the unity, the, you know, the togetherness, the getting along, treating each other right, etc., but notice he makes it even more specific. He says the unity of the faith in our relationship with Christ, but also understanding and accepting the truth of Christ because the faith is more than just our personal faith in Christ. It is the Christian faith. It is the Christian teaching. It is the Christian doctrine. 
that we're to be together on that. But also not only unity of faith, but unity of the knowledge of the Son of God. Now, that's not just head knowledge, it's experiential knowledge. Because it's one thing to know something up here, it's something else to understand it because you've done something with it and had some experience, right? And so there's a lot of people who teach religion in our universities that don't even believe in Jesus. I never have understood why somebody would want to, at a public university, teach Christianity in the Bible when they don't believe any of it. I mean, what a horrible way to spend your life. And what inconsistency. It just doesn't make any sense at all. But uh, I, I chase a rabbit there. Experience. See, up here, that's important. But, but knowing Jesus through life experience, as, as you've trusted what he said, as you believe what he said, and, and you put it into practice, and, and, you, and you experience him, and you come to understand that he's real. I know he lives. Why? He lives in my, I, I, he lives in my heart. I've experienced him. God wants everybody in this room to know that the things that you know in your head, he wants you to know them, know that they're true experientially as well. He wants that for each and every one of us. To a, to a what? He continues in that verse. To a what kind of man? What kind of person? To a mature, a complete. In other words, grow up. God is saying just as we grow up physically, just as we grow up emotionally, we need to grow up spiritually. We, we need to grow up as followers of Christ and become a mature person. And what does that mature person look like? Now this may, may, may throw you a little bit of a challenge. It challenges us. He says, here's, here's what a mature man is. To the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of whom? Wow. I mean, I, I'm supposed to look like Jesus? That's what a mature Christian looks like. He, he looks like Jesus. She looks like Jesus. We increasingly think like Jesus thinks. <laughs> wow, that's a, that's a lot, isn't it? But that's what he says. That's what a mature Christian looks like. What, what, what do you look like if you're following Christ? Every day you're looking more and more like him. Now, in verse 14... He says, as a result of this, when we mature and we grow up, okay, and we begin looking more like Christ, something happens. He says in verse 14, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. We know that uh, developmental-wise, uh, the brain, you know, it's not really... Decision making, it's not, it's not complete until we're way up in our 20s. It's the reason teenagers sometimes make really stupid decisions. Brain's not fully developed. Their thinking and decision making is not fully developed. Seems like some of us never have it fully developed. Predators can easily trick little kids, right? Huh? And God says here, when you're a mature Christian, you're beyond that. 
You're not like a little child that can be easily deceived and tricked. Carried about by everything that some nice sounding professor says. You've grown up. You're not easily swayed by every polished thing that comes down the pike, so to speak. The experiences of life, the waves that, that bash you, they don't, they don't carry you everywhere. The, the wind that blows like a tornado and knocks down trees, listen, it doesn't take you off the path of following Christ. Why? You've grown up. You've become more like Jesus. You've matured. Verse 15, he says, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. There it is. Now notice this. Grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. Now what do you think he means when he says grow up in all aspects? fullness, the completeness, every area. See, we may be growing more in some areas than in other areas, but here's the thing. When you're growing, you're growing across the board. It's, it's not in keeping with New Testament teaching to say, well, you know what, I'm going to grow over here, but this area I'm going to intentionally say, God, hands off. Because sometimes we do that, don't we? God, you can have this, but you can't have that. And we're to grow into maturity in all aspects, in every part of life, in Him, in Christ. That that He's fully in us and we're fully in Him. And and it encompasses everything that's a part of who we are. And so if the Holy Spirit uses the Word of God and He shows me or you something in our lives, oh, okay, God, All aspects. Not some, not limited, <clears throat> but all as- aspects. Now, I know some of us are saying, wow, preacher, wait a minute. Now, there's no way I could ever look like Jesus. Just no way. Right? I, I, but isn't that what he tells us to do? But what, preacher, you're asking the impossible. Never, ever could I do that. There's no point in even trying. And sometimes because we think like that, we don't try. That becomes our excuse, our cop-out, our justification for just staying where we are. Instead of growing, changing, and becoming more mature, more like him. Now, is it, is it honest to say that, you know, we're not going to be completely like Jesus till heaven? Yeah, that's honest. And yet he commands us to not wait until then for it to happen, right? When, um, you know, when my dad would go to those shooting, shooting matches, and you'd have... I don't know, have been, you know, 10 men, 15, 20, 30, depends on how many were there, you know, take, take their shot. You know when they brought those papers back and they counted the holes, the number of pellets that were in each circle, they didn't all have the same number? Because when you shoot a shotgun, 
those pellets and, and, and different shells, depending on which one you get, some have more pellets than others. And based on the distance, those pellets spread. That's why you use them, you know, it gives you a bigger range. And some were just better at getting more pellets in that circle. I can, I can still see some old, I remember one old timer at one match. It was in the wintertime. I don't know why he did it, I, I, but he, he opened his shell and he spit in it. He, he'd been chewing tobacco and he spit in it. And then he sealed it back up. I guess he thought that would cause those pellets to stick to I don't know, but that's what he did. He didn't win. <laughs> but the further away, the more those pellets spread as they, as they travel. Not all of them... In fact, most of them, because most of the ones they, they would shoot had 400 or more pellets in a shell. And, you know, uh, they didn't get anywhere near that. They may have 10, 20 in a circle, 30 if you were really good. They didn't all hit the circle. But guess what? Because they aimed at it, some of them did. And if you aim for your life to be more like Jesus, guess what? That's going to happen. Some of them are going to hit. But if you never aim that direction, guess what? You're always going to be a loser spiritually. You're always going to just miss the bullseye. And again, I ask, what are you aiming your life at? As, as a follower of Christ, what are you shooting for? What's your target? So I want, to, I want to help you for a few moments, and then in the weeks to come, we're going to spend more time developing what I'm getting ready to show you. I want to, I want to help you understand what it looks like to look more like Jesus. So I need your help. Would, would you stand with me where you are? Just go ahead and stand up. Everyone stand. <clears throat> now, I want everyone... To look at that back corner right over here. And do you see that big banner that says servanthood? That's one of our eight passions. A passionate follower of Christ, a maturing, growing Christian, someone who looks like Jesus is going to be what? A servant. You're going to serve. That's the reason that's one of our passions. Jesus said if you want to be great, do what? Serve. Now look to the left, the one in the, to the left there on, in the corner, the orange-looking one. It says intentional. What, what does that say? Read it to me, church, out loud. Intentional spiritual growth. It means growing in your relationship with Christ, growing spiritually, growing in your understanding of Scripture and its application to your life. And what's the first word in that? Because if you're not intentional, it will never happen. It's not an accident. It's not by osmosis. You're choosing to say, I'm going to grow. Now look at the one to the left of that with the hands folded. What, what is that passion? You think if you're a maturing follower of Christ, you're going to have a prayer life? Yeah, you're not. All right, now look back over to the left over here on the other side of the, the second screen over here. Spiritual, what, what is that word after spiritual? That's our nice word for the biblical word fellowship. It means you like hanging out with God's people. One of the reasons you go to Sunday school is to build relationships. You can, you're not going to build relationships just sitting in these chairs on Sunday morning. You've got to be with God's people. You have connection, relationships, spiritual friendships. And what's the one to the left of that? Say that one louder. That's the old me one because that's talking about your money, your, your abilities, 
what you do with your time, you invest it in the kingdom of God. You invest it in the service of God. Now turn back over to the wall over here to, 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 to my right, back over toward the kitchen in this area. Now we looked at servanthood. What's the one next to it back here, kind of the middle of the room with three photos on it? What does that one say? Intimate what? Do you think if you're a maturing, growing follower of Jesus Christ, you're going to worship Jesus? And notice it's intimate because it's not just what a group does. It's what you do in your heart and soul. So when you're in this group corporately, you've got to be engaged or it's not worship. And it also means you worship him when you are alone. Jesus went to the synagogue. Jesus went to the temple. Jesus also had those times when he was by himself worshiping the Father. Your quiet time and all of that. Now right beside it is spiritual. Boy, I wish I had a cup of coffee right now. Spiritual what? That means you engage people who don't know Jesus in conversation about Jesus and how to have a relationship with him. That's evangelism. That's witnessing. Do you think if you're a maturing, growing follower of Christ, you're going to be engaged in those kind of conversations with people who don't know Jesus? Hmm? Yeah. All right. And then the last one down here. You don't see that one in many churches, but we felt that one was important in today's culture, one of our eight passions. Christ-centered what? That we, we teach within our homes and we try to live our family life on the foundation of who Christ is and what he says. That's a priority for us. Now let me ask you, do you think if we're a growing, maturing follower of Christ, those things are going to be part of who we are? That's what we're going to talk about in the weeks to come. Thank you, and you can be seated. What does it look like to look like Jesus? There's a lot I could say, but hey, do you think that if you got those down, you'd be pretty close to looking like him? Huh? I think so. I think so. And what I want you to notice is you need, all of those need to be a part, a part of your life. They're like pieces of a puzzle that go together. Monisa really enjoys uh, working puzzles. Uh, early December, I bought her one of the, is a 500-piece puzzle of Santa Claus. And so she put that together, and the kids would come, you know, during Christmas and stuff, the grandkids, and see that. And they, now, this is the one she just finished the other day. That's a 1,000-piece puzzle seen from uh, Venice. Now, I don't enjoy puzzles the way she does. <laughs> She'll sit there, and she's just patient, and she does it, and she, does, and she enjoys it. She, you know, says, she says it helps her relax. And she's got her system, you know, she gets all the pieces out and finds the corner pieces and all the edge pieces and then groups them by, you know, what seems to be similar. You know, she just, she's got her system and she goes through it and, and she'll, she'll just plug away and be patient. And that's the reason I don't like puzzles. I don't have enough of that. And, and she'll put in the effort and the energy. And, and when it's all done, it's beautiful, right? But how many of you have ever tried to work a puzzle and you couldn't find a piece? How'd that feel? Yeah, frustrating, miserable. Where's that piece? Which one of you knocked it off? Where'd it go? It wasn't in the box. I'm going to take it back to the store. Right? And, and, and you put the whole puzzle together, and you can have one or two pieces missing, and all of a sudden you think, wow, that's sort of pretty. But you can't get beyond that one piece that's missing, right? That two, two, two pieces, those three pieces that you can't find. And it just takes away from the whole thing. 
Same thing's true spiritually. One of the pieces misses down at the bottom. These things, they're not just banners. These are reminders of what a maturing follower of Jesus Christ looks like. What we care about, what's important to us. What we're asking God to develop in our lives so that we can be more Christ-like. And when one piece is missing, it just it, it, it may look okay, but it doesn't look as beautiful. It doesn't look as good. It's not complete. It's just, it's, it just bugs you. So is there one of these or two of these or maybe more of these that You've been saying, God, you know, I, I don't know if I'm going to let you do anything in my life in this one or in these. Now, it takes time to develop these just like it takes time to put a, pe- a puzzle together. It takes intentional effort just like it takes intentional effort for her to sit there all those hours and work on that puzzle. And she'll do it over several nights. I'll watch a ball game. She's working on her puzzle. Takes time. But do, do you know that Jesus grew? Look at this verse from the, the book of Luke chapter 2. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Well, look, if he thought it was okay to grow, why, why is it not okay for you and me to grow? Huh? The Old Testament prophet Samuel. Look what the Bible says about him. Now the boy Samuel was growing in stature. And that's not just height. That's also in his you know, maturity. And in favor both with whom? The Lord and with men. Because here's the thing. When you grow with God, people notice. When you grow as a follower of Christ, when this area over here that's been kind of rough and, and God begins smoothing off the edges and, and making you more mature in that area, guess what? People notice, Right? When instead of hating lost people, you start liking lost people, they notice. They notice. When you start enjoying God's people rather than saying, man, I wish they'd just get away, people notice. I mean, when we grow, people notice. So you can grow. You hear me, church? You you can grow. You, you, you hear me, Christian follower of Christ? You can grow. Look to your neighbor right now and say, I can grow. Go ahead. Look to your neighbor and tell him, I can grow. Go ahead. Some of y'all didn't say it. You don't have any confidence. Do it again. Louder. I can look at your neighbor and say, I can grow. Now look at your other neighbor and say, I can grow. Now look at your neighbor and say, I will grow. I will grow. Say it again, I will grow. Own it, church. Own it. Because the only person that can guarantee you grow in your relationship with Christ is you. I'm doing my part now to challenge, to inspire, to correct, to encourage, to teach. I can't grow for you. Only you can do that. 
So claim and own it until you say, this is the bullseye, this is the target, this is the circle. It's not going to happen. Takes more than wishful thinking, doesn't it? Do you, do, you, do you know what we call these passions? What is passion? Passion is a, it's a strong conviction. It's a strong emotion. A strong desire. It's, 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 it's a love. It's what we care about. It's, it gives us focus and direction in life. We're passionate about Jesus, so we're passionate about looking more and more like him. There's a, there's a small church in Malaysia meets for worship in a warehouse. During one of their worship services, they were baptizing a teenage girl in a bathtub. And over against the wall was some old rugged-looking, an old rugged-looking suitcase, some luggage. And an American tourist was worshiping with them that day and asked about that luggage over there. And one of the members explained to them that this young teenage girl's father had told her if she was baptized as a Christian, she could never come home again. And so she brought her luggage to church. I'd call that passion, wouldn't you? Are we wanting to be passionate about God, about the things of God? Are we wanting to be passionate? Are we wanting to, are we wanting to look more and more like Jesus Christ? And you're the only person that can answer that. I want you to answer it today and say, yes, I'm not going to settle. 